And uh, the, we pray so often that the Lord would, would uh, just be present and real and effective. And uh, absolutely do remember um, this Saturday's memorial for Sister Barbara. And uh, we'll be praying for that. There'll be a lot of, of her family here. And we're just going to... Uh, we're just going to glorify the Lord, preach the gospel, and uh, remember her life and her faithfulness. And I was telling you, Brother Jack, it wasn't a few, just a few mornings ago, and throughout the time I'd wake up early in the morning and just run through my mind, see her sitting in her spot or see her in the kitchen, and, and I praise the Lord for that testimony. And uh, anyway... They used to sing a song that I didn't, I liked it, but it was didn't mean as much when I was younger. The older I get, the more I like um, heaven sounding sweeter every day. Amen. And we're looking forward to that. Amen. Well, got all these yahoos over here tonight. Thankful for that. Over in Third John, John said, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. And that is a fact. There is no greater joy. And uh, so we're thankful for that. And I guess there's something back there. I didn't realize anything was going on tonight at all. And uh, so if you can stay afterward, is that what's going on? There's like cake and stuff in there. So if you can stay afterward, uh, please do. Please do. That would be great. All right. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. Uh, we're looking, been running through here. And, you know, as Christians, as Christians, we live in really we live in two worlds. We live in an earthly kingdom. And if you're saved tonight, we live in a heavenly kingdom. So we're kind of operating in two different uh, worlds. And whether we like it or not, right, we enjoy, we enjoy the creature comforts and the things, some of the things that our government provides for us. Don't, don't boo or hiss yet, okay? I'm going to clarify some things that we like, right? I'm not talking about, we don't enjoy you know, funding sex change operations for the military, all right? That's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm not talking about the funding of the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm not really cracked up about having to fund things like that. I'm talking about roads and bridges and military. Oh, yeah, the things they were supposed to do originally. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not, we, we like that, right? We like our new, du- you know, double wide road out here for our double wide church. I like that. I got to remember that. And uh, our, our, new, our new marketing campaign, the, the double wide church on the double wide road. I like that. It's pretty good. Anyway, I'm not real good at these things. And uh, we like the roads, right? We like the stuff that's out here. We like the roads. We like the bridges when they're, you know, when they're working. That's always a blessing, is it not? We like our military. And I had it written, and I've got it in the bulletin, and I forgot this morning to, to uh, recognize all of our veterans. Uh, why don't we do that? If you've been in the military, you're a veteran, Brother Chuck. Uh, Brother Neil, would you stand real quickly? Are you a veteran? Whoever is a veteran here tonight. Who else? Anybody else? We got two. Yeah, Brother Earl. You were Navy, right? Yes, sir. That's right. Brother Brother uh, Chuck was Chair Force. No. No, Air Force. That's what it is. No, were you really? Yeah. But you flew. Huh? See, it's even better. It's getting better, isn't airplane, it? Sir. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Brother Neil. Okay, excellent. So, uh, anyway, we, we thank you. Thank you, men, for that. Some of our men, you go ahead and be seated. Some of our veterans have gone on, uh, gone on uh, uh, to heaven. 
Uh, the last one was Brother Klein, and uh, boy, I miss Brother Klein. Uh, Korea and Vietnam. When I went to his house and found him, he was laying down uh, on his, in his room there. He had already passed away. And I thought, oh, what an awful way to go. You know, he was just, he, it, was, it was terrible. And my cousin, who is a retired Navy SEAL, I said something to him about it. I said, it was just a pitiful thing. And he said, no, absolutely not. He went out fighting. That's awesome. And I'm like, okay, what a way to look at it, right? <laughs> okay. And, uh, but we miss him. I'm so thankful for those men and women of the military. And because, why? Because we like the freedoms we have. We like the things that we have. We don't mind funding things like that. Amen, right? We don't mind that. We enjoy that. But you know what? It's not, it's, it's, it's not so hard to pay for the tangible things that you see, right? It's not so th- hard to pay for the things that you see, the, the, the reward of what, what, what you're sending your money in for. But what about when things that we don't see, right? You know, we don't always necessarily see uh, at all times freedom and liberty or security or peace or a future. I mean, it's all there, you know, and those things come at a price. But I want to I, I talk tonight about, talk, about taxes. I want to I preach to you tonight about taxes. Paying your taxes. <laughs> Not really the, uh, no, no, really, paying your taxes. But I don't want to talk to you about the taxes that you're thinking about. I want, to, I want to see something else that we need to pay tonight that is owed to somebody. Now, would you notice here in verse 15, there's some entrapment that's going on. It's very interesting. There were four Jewish sects in the day of Jesus. With, uh, I mean, you might, one of them you might not count as one, but I'm going to throw them in there. There was the Pharisees. Of course, they were religious. They believed the entire Old Testament. They were kind of a pain, right? And uh, in today, one thing you don't want to be called. Have you noticed nobody go, go, goes around and goes, oh, man, that guy, you're just a, you're just a Herodian. Right? Nobody says that, right? What do they say? You're a Pharisee, right? And uh, they don't even know what that means. I was like, really? So you're lost? That's not good because they rejected Jesus Christ. Anyway, but there was the Pharisees, all right? There were the Sadducees, and you know how that goes, right? How many knows how that goes, right? They didn't believe in the resurrection, right? Or angels, which is why they were sad, you see, right? Okay, you know how that goes. The Sadducees, they, they only believed in the Pentateuch. They only believed in the first five books of Moses. They rejected the rest of it. And they were kind of obviously at odds with the, with the Pharisees. And then there are the Herodians, which we're going to see tonight. This was more of a political party. They were more uh, uh, desirous to see the family of Herod on the throne. We'll look at that in a little bit. And then there is a fourth one that I would call out that is not mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus never mentions them. Uh, Maybe he just never had a run-in with them. But it was the Essenes. The Essenes, they kept to themselves or almost uh, lived almost a monastic life out in the Wadi Qumran right along the or along the shores of the Dead Sea. Uh, they are responsible for what we get, the Dead Sea Scrolls. This was the Essenes. Uh, they were a, a, a community out in the middle of the desert. They were known to take in, uh, the, to, uh, take in orphans. They were known to have a very strict life of just prayers and very simple life. Uh, this is kind of interesting to me. They were entrusted with the temple, the money from the temple. They, they were like the bank. That, I mean, they were obviously very trusted by the people. Um, I do find it interesting. I don't think Jesus ever lived in an Essene colony. I know people have asked me about that. I would not doubt, I would not be surprised if, if John the Baptist lived in an Essene colony. Uh, his parents obviously were older when he was born. He preached out in the wilderness, right? It could very well be they, had, they died at a young age and he lived that very simple lifestyle within the Essene community. But these are the four... Uh, uh, sects that are there in Israel of Jesus' day. Now, the Pharisees and the Herodians were 
kind of at odds with each other, okay? They were enemies. When it comes to the belief of the Messiah, the Pharisees had a hope in a Messiah from the line of David, okay? But the Herodians' hope was in the house of Herod. They, they wanted the family of the Herods to rule. That was where their hope was. When it comes to the, the idea of, of the size of this group, well, the Pharisees were quite a bit smaller than the group of the Herodians. The Herodians consisted of, of Sadducees and scribes. It was a large group of people that would have fallen under this group of Herodians. When it comes to taxes, when it comes to taxes, the Pharisees were anti-Roman tax. They were, they, here's what they wanted what? They wanted the tithes and the offering brought into the temple. But the Herodians, now they were pro-tax if it meant that the house of Herod could rule and there could be some semblance of self-governing among them. Then they said, well, if, if Rome is in charge and it allows the Herodians to rule, fine, we'll pay ta- we don't mind taxes. Okay? So the Pharisees were a religious sect and you see here the Herodians were really more concerned with politics and power and uh, rule from a governance standpoint. Now, although enemies... They agreed on a few things. They were against Rome for different reasons. And they were against Jesus for different reasons. Here's the old adage that we find so true so often. Here it is. You you know this, right? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And this is what you have in the Pharisees and the Herodians. They had a common enemy. And so they became friends on this common enemy. Notice the plot here in verse 15. Look at this, verse 15. Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him on his uh, talk. Now, realize Jesus had been preaching freely. He had spoken with very little opposition. And now they're going to put a little bit of pressure on the Lord Jesus and to get him to say something, hopefully an error. Why? Because people are following him. Right? They're not following the Herodians if Jesus is around. They're not following the Pharisees if Jesus is around. Right? So, so they, they want to trip him up to get people to go, oh, oh, well, yeah, maybe he isn't that great. Right? You ever see somebody come out on the political scene and everybody's like, yeah, it's like the savior of the world. And then they come into an, one interview with one, with, with, with one uh, I think, uh, there was one several years back when McCain was running and his running mate sat in front of Katie Couric and all of a sudden it just fell apart. It was like, uh-oh, this wasn't good, <laughs> right? Oh, man. Yeah, they were hoping to get this type of an event with Jesus to get him tangled up in his words, right? And so the media does this. They go out with the gotcha questions. They go out with a, they, they, they film you and get a sound bite that they edit to, to just make you sound as dumb as possible. Happens to me all the time. I mean, they're always interviewing me and uh, finding me saying really silly things. And uh, this strategic editing. Um, yeah, all right. I don't get interviewed by anybody. But notice what the question is here in verse 16. They're coming after Jesus. They want to trip him up. Look at verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples, these are disciples of the Pharisees, with the Herodians, kind of an odd bunch, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teacheth the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardeth not the persons of men. Do you notice here what they begin with is flattery. 
Right. They began with flattery. Proverbs 29.5, the Bible says, A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth out a net for his feet. Flattery is to capture somebody. Right. I, I, no, no I, I'm, I'm not talking about compliments to build up somebody, to, to build up the one that you're complimenting. That is different than flattery. Flattery, watch, flattery is for self to get an advantage for yourself. You don't care about the one you're flattering. You just want to get what you want out of them. Anybody have that happen? Yeah. So they start with flattery. Look what, look what, and, and really, it's funny what they say because they really don't care about his religious position. They're more carried about governmental things. And uh, they said, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. They didn't believe that. Pharisees didn't believe that. They didn't believe it at all. But they're flattering him. And so they say, so what do you think here? What do you think about this? Right? We know you're from God. We know you teach truth. What do you think about this? Look at verse 17. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Now, this word lawful, he is not talking about whether it is against Roman law. He is speaking about biblical law. He is speaking about Old Testament law. Is it lawful, according to the word of God, to pay, give tribute to Caesar? Right. Tribute. Roman taxes. There were three type of taxes that the Romans took. There was three of them. There was the ground tax, which a man was, was to pay the government one-tenth of the grain that he brought in. He was to pay one-fifth of the oil and the wine that he produced. And he was taxed whether it be in kind, meaning he either paid in wine or grain or in cash. But that was the first tax on what you produced out of the ground. The second tax was the income tax, which was one cent, one percent of the man's income. Could you imagine that? That'd be awesome. One percent. You imagine how good we'd be living right now? Right. You know, 50%, you add it up, friend, 50, I don't mean to ruin the whole night, but just to remind you, we're, we're doling out 50% to give sex change operations to, to the military. I mean, it's, what a blessing that is. Aren't we excited tonight? This was 1% of their income. And then there was the poll tax. It was the tax that had to be paid on every male person from the age of 14 to the age of 65, and by every female person from the age of 12 to the age of 65. So the Herodians here, they are talking about the poll tax. Is it biblical, they're saying, is it lawful to pay the Roman poll tax? Now, I don't know if you realize this or not. This is a big dilemma for Jesus. They think it is. It's not. All right, that was silly. It's not. They think it is. Because watch, if he had said that it was lawful, I'm sorry, if he had said that it was unlawful to pay the tax, they would promptly report him to the Roman government for a tax evader. Right. But if he said it was lawful to pay the tax, he would stand discredited in the eyes of many of the people that were following him. Seems like a big dilemma. Yeah. You know, I, looking through some of this history of their taxes, not only did the people resent the tax, Right, as I think everybody resents. How many? How many love taxes? Okay, good. Yeah. They resented it even more, actually, for religious reasons. See, to a Jew, God was in this. God was their only king. 
He was the only one. Their nation was a theocracy. To pay, uh, pay taxes to an earthly king was to admit the validity of the kingship. And to them, it was an insult to God. So this is a real struggle here and quite the question that they brought to Jesus. See, the, the first position, right, would, be the, would have been the Herodians' position, but this last one of an insult to God, this was the position of the Pharisees. So watch, they're each getting their question in in this one question, the Pharisees and the Herodians. So many of the Jews insisted that any tax paid to a foreign king was wrong. The Herodians, well, I don't care, just so it gets what we want, which is uh, the house of Herod on the throne. To the Pharisees, this is wicked. This is what they thought. So it looks like Jesus has been set up for a no-win a no situation, doesn't it? But secondly, I want to show you something here. I want to show you that Jesus isn't cornered as we think he is. How many have ever watched in sports somebody cornered? <laughs> You think it's all lost, right? In boxing, right? They're, they're backed into the corner and they're just getting pummeled, right? I mean, just they're just raining down on them. And it's like, you're in the corner, man. There's no way out. You're not getting out of this. There's no way to escape. And, uh, you know, some of the greatest moments in sports is when somebody gets out of the corner, right? When somebody, I mean, out of nowhere, this, boom, this uppercut comes. And, I mean, the head goes back and, boom, on the, it's like, yeah, it's awesome. I love Okay, I thought it was great. I, I like it. Ali did it. You know, he did the rope-a-dope. And he's, he's laying back on the... I mean, he just took a pounding from Foreman. It was unbelievable. I mean, just one right after the other and finally wore him out and came back and done. Right. Mike Tyson's crazy crazy uppercut out of nowhere. Man, just drops a guy. I mean, it looks like he's, he's backed into a corner. Oh, let's get out of boxing. What about, how many remember Larry Bird's uh, last second shot in 1986 at their 16th championship? I mean, the clock against the Lakers, the greatest uh, rivalry of all time, and Bird is sitting in the corner, three-point shot, one second left on the clock, boom, hits it. I mean, the place goes nuts. They win the championship. I mean, it's awesome, right? It looked like they were backed into a corner, and they got out of it. Listen, they really believed Jesus was cornered. That's what's really funny, actually. But, but uh, you know what? Uh, they were wrong. He wasn't cornered, amen? Are we alive tonight? Are we awake? He wasn't cornered. He was not. Here comes the crazy uppercut. Look at verse 18. Here it is. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? <laughs> yeah. He knew they didn't care about him. He knew they didn't care about what he was doing. They had no concern whatsoever. Look at his response in verse 19. Show me the tribute money. Show me the coin that you pay the Roman government for the poll tax. Get it. And he asks them, whose image and superscription is on it? And they say what? Caesar's. Caesar's. So look what he says here. Then render unto Caesar the thing that are Caesar's. What does that word render mean? It means to pay what is due. If you have the opportunity, you can write that down in a margin somewhere because we're going to look at this here in just a minute. To pay what is due, like taxes. Render unto Caesar. Watch. Whoever's head is on the coin controls the money. 
Whoever puts their, their superscription, the, the name of the country or the name of whatever the authority is, whoever has the right to print the money, put their head on the money and, and write on the money, listen, whoever gets to do that controls the money. And if you use their money, you're following under their control. Let me say it again. Hey, if you use their money, you fall under their control. Yeah. Here's these Herodians. You know why they're a bunch of hypocrites? Well, they were buying and selling with this money. They had no problem using it. Right. So he says, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are God's. Now this, is, I think, is for the Pharisees. Really, it's for all of us. But with one question... And in one sentence, Jesus shut the mouths of the Pharisees and the Herodians. It's awesome. I love it. Checkmate. <laughs> they weren't coming back. Image and superscription. Would you look at Jesus' question again? Image. Whose image? Whose superscription? We know whose image was on this government coin, right? It was Caesar's. We know the coin belonged to Rome, right? It was, it was theirs. Hold on a minute. What are the things that belong to God? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. What are the things that belong to God? Yeah. Okay, I'll answer it for you since nobody's yelling it out. We are. Us. You and me. Yeah. He is creator. Amen. He is creator. Amen? amen? Amen. Oh, I like the good. He is redeemer. I think that, that, amen, right? He is redeemer. Amen. He is redeemed. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this, For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify means to put on display the positive attributes of somebody else. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. He is creator and he is redeemer. Watch this. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 For our conversation, our lifestyle, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know tonight if you're in Christ tonight you are already seated in the heavenlies by Christ Jesus. We, listen, we are citizens of a, heavenly, of a heavenly kingdom and a heavenly realm and we are on our way. So we, are, we, are, we, are, we belong to God. We are citizens of heaven. We are stamped with the image of God. 1 Corinthians eleven seven. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. You can go through other verses and you'll find out that we are made in the likeness and image of God. Now hold on a minute. I'm talking about Christians tonight. Watch this. His superscription is written upon us as well. Yeah. 
Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. What is that seal? It's the Spirit of God. What is, what is a seal? It was a legal, it was a piece of wax, and a, the seal was the actual ring, and they would stamp that legal document in, in that wax, and they would show that this is a legal transaction, legal and binding, and it cannot be altered. And we are sealed with the Spirit of God. Legal transaction. We belong to Him, and it cannot be broken. His superscription is written on us. Yeah. We belong to Him. What did Jesus say? Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and render unto God the things that are God's. Watch this. When we belong to God, we should render to Him everything that's due Him. Hey, no matter what you give your money to, whether you give it to taxes whether you put your money into a retirement fund, whether you give uh, offerings and tithes and things like that, there's one thing that, w- that we must never forget is that we belong to God. He has given us breath. He has given us health. He has given us eternal hope. He has given us eternal life, right? Hey, listen, the governments give us roads and bridges and military, but God gives us eternal life. We belong to Him. I mean, that's the greatest thing that somebody could ever come along and say, wow, you belong to God. Amen. I like that. Better than belonging to Satan. (laughs) Jesus said, render unto God the things that are God's. Wait, if we belong to Him and He owns us, all of us, what do we render back to Him? Everything. My life. My dreams. My hopes. My ambitions. My material things. It's all His. It's all His. Why? Because without Him we have nothing. Zero. What God wants for us, for what He has provided for us, What he wants in return, he just wants our life. Which neither the Pharisee or the Herodian was willing to give. No, they weren't going to do it. It's mine. Like the little ones, mine. Does God have all of you? Does God have all of you? Yeah. Come on, friend. You know where you came from. You know what you were when, when the Lord Jesus found you. You know what you were when the Holy Spirit of God began to draw you unto himself. You know what you used to be. You know, you, you know where you could be tonight if you weren't here, if, if the Lord Jesus hadn't come and drawn you to himself. You know exactly what you could have been. And we say, nah, I want this. You can have this, but I want this. There's a word for that, right? It's called an ingrate. Is he getting everything he deserves out of our life? And the word, you know, there's a statement that 
that uh, my wife and I hate <laughs> when somebody says, I deserve, or you deserve this. You, just, you deserve this. I deserve this. hate that statement. I hate it. The only one who deserves anything he asks for is our Heavenly Father. And he deserves to have all of us. All of, uh, yeah, all of us, but all of each of us, right? Let me ask you this. Are you living with the heart attitude? It's an attitude. It starts right here in the heart. It starts with an attitude. Are you li- I'm, I'm not saying we, we measure up to it all the time, right? We still have this flesh we're battling. I get that. But the heart attitude, does he ha- are you living with the heart attitude that God deserves your whole life? And if you had one wish in your life, you, th- this, this flesh would be eradicated and he could have just all of you with nothing, with, with, with absolutely nothing nothing hindering what you want him to have. Is that really in your heart that you really want God to have absolutely all of yourself? Or do you want it? Do you want it? Whose image in superscription? Whose image is on you? If it's the Lord Jesus Christ, He deserves it all. If it's not tonight before it is literally eternally too late tonight. You need to come to Jesus. Whether you're here, whether you're watching online, you need to come to Christ. Because there will be a day when it will be too late. It will be. Yeah. Father, what a, just a poignant reminder Lord, that you deserve every last bit of our life. We will never, ever, 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 ever see the fires of hell for those of us who are born again here tonight. Those of us who have been rescued, my favorite word, rescued. We shall never see that. We shall never know those. And Father, you deserve all of us. Every last bit of us. God, I'm asking you tonight that you do a work in every uh, one of our hearts, work in my heart, a work in every heart here. Lord, that tonight we had turned the corner and say, you know what? I'm just going to give you all of me, all of me. I'm going to trust you. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what it's going to do, but I'm just going to give you all of it. Would you do that tonight? Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. The invitation is open. I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you. Does he have all of you? The instrument's going to play. However the Lord has spoken to you, you deal with him tonight. Does he have all of you? Is there anything you're keeping back? Anything you're afraid to trust him with?
All right, Lord bless you for being here tonight. <clears throat> we're looking forward uh, to this week. We'll see you back here Wednesday uh, at six, seven o'clock. No, you can come at six if you want. That'd be fine. But <laughs> you might be might be watching your phone for an hour. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we're looking forward to that Wednesday and uh, this Saturday. Please be praying. We need uh, <clears throat> if you're able to help with uh, help Miss Sherry with the uh, getting food and things like that. I'm thankful for those that have been helping and. And if, you, if you're able to help, uh, we'll need some, need some help on that and setting up and things like that. So be praying for that, as, if you would, please. Uh, pray for Judy and her back has really, really been a problem. She's got to go 